oh my god, dude, I got stopped by this woman at school yesterday, and she was like, hey, SVU? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, my wife just started a podcast with her friend. But then she's like, oh, she's pulling up right here. Because she was going to ask me about equipment or whatever. Mm-hmm. And which she didn't need advice about because she's like, oh, yeah, they get their sound mixed by somebody on like NPR or some shit. And I'm like, why are you talking to me about it? Yeah. But they're like on their third episode. But I wanted to shout them out because I started listening to it. And it's a fucking amazing podcast. What is it? It's called This is Probably a Really Weird Question. Okay, so it's a history professor who teaches the history of sexuality and a family physician who specializes in LGBTQ plus healthcare. And they talk about the not, quote, really weird questions they get from students and patients and how to answer them. And the very second episode is how do I know if I'm trans? And Mm -hmm. it's just really interesting because one, they talk about the history of trans people. They talk about questions that come up with people being like, well, young people can't know if they're trans and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. You know what I mean? That's, like, that's a great... Dude, it's super fucking good. And it's like interesting and informative. It's like you're getting all this information, but also it's really entertaining. Uh, weird. What is it? This is probably a really weird question. I told her to hashtag a little bit loud because they are an independent podcast. Mm. But anyway, yeah, go check out that podcast. Yeah. All right, dude. Yeah. Welcome to SVU Pod, especially heinous. I'm Gabe. I'm Tasha. We are on season four, episode 20, Dominance. Opening scene. A couple, they're outside. It's winter. They're arguing because they're late to a dinner party. This dude says, I don't want to take the subway because I don't want to deal with the, quote, great unwashed, which I was like, holy shit. Yeah, this dude looks like if Machine Gun Kelly went to an Ivy League school. Ew. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Obviously, his girlfriend calls him a snob because he is. Mm -hmm. They ring the buzzer. The girlfriend tries the door and it seems to be open. So they just walk in. They go in and they find the four other guests nude and bloody on the ground. We're still at the crime scene. Stabes and Toots show up outside the apartment. The couple who found the body are obviously traumatized. Detective Dewthorn is on the scene. He's the fucking murder cop that we deal with sometimes. Yeah. Dewthorn says there's two men and two women all shot in the head and the women were raped. So they were talking about how it was a dinner party and Toots is already fucking starting because he goes with an orgy for dessert. <laughs> I, he said, were these people shot in the head or did their heads explode from coming so hard? I guess we'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I wrote. Homicide thinks it was a home invasion. Wallets, IDs and jewelry were all taken. <laughs> Tim Toots in his gym suit obviously thinks it's an orgy gone wrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Toots is like, hmm, not the kind of evening you'd expect to turn into a sexual free-for-all. Yeah, the rest of us don't think that. (laughs) The couple that showed up late ID'd the victims as Evan Briggs and his fiancée Melissa Zyman, Dean McCarran, and Regina Velario. Coroner Warner says that the stuff was stolen from the men and women, and she also tells them that the male victims were beaten with a gun and were also raped. Which blew the absolute fucking minds off of the cis-het men in the room. They were all like, and the men? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this whole time, it's just it, it was weird for them to be like, it's obviously n- nobody was having sex with each other because they wanted to. <laughs> the only thing it points to is them being raped. Because they're like, oh my god, they found a hair in his butt. And I was like... Eh. That could be, yeah. So theme song. <sighs> Now we're in the Emmy's office. Toots and Dewthorn meet with Coroner Warner. All the beatings and rapes were pre-mortem. Mm-hmm. The labs were run on the fluids. But when Coroner Warner sent out the hair samples, it was 
complicated. One of the male victims, Evan Briggs, his hair was found in his girlfriend's body, which is totally normal. And another one of his hairs were inside the other male victim. Again, again they're like, whoa! Both of the men had fluids and blood on them that matched the DNA of the other victims. Dewthorne says that maybe the suspects broke into the house, made the men rape the women, and then each other. One that I'm like, or it really was an orgy, (laughs) you know? Toots fucking somersaults into the room and he's like, or, (laughs) or it was a kinky, kinky, sloppy poles and holes party. Maybe it was that. (laughs) Like, yeah, maybe Toots. At the precinct, Cragen pulls up to Corkboard City in the squad room. He's going over the case with the crew. The townhouse belonged to Evan's dad, Earl. Evan lived there with him. And Earl is the CEO of Happy Time Toys. Which I thought had to do with something, but it didn't. (laughs) I did, too. I was like, Toots obviously immediately is like, Happy Time Sex Toys? Huh? Munch tells Cragen that there's nothing pointing to anyone targeting Earl's place. Meanwhile, mm. Toots scream answers the phone and then says <laughs> nothing the entire call. Did you hear that? He was like, hello! <laughs> like, yeah. They were like, do a background voice. And he's like, got it. <laughs> they go on. None of the victims had prior offenses on record. Toots hangs up. He says that they're looking for one perp. The lab found bloody footprints all made by the same shoe. But after he checked Vicap, he found that there aren't any other crimes right now with that same MO. Craigan's like, um, what? This is new? That's fucked, right? Kwong goes, the perp was probably already in the system before for sexual assault, rape, burglary, maybe a few muggings. Duthorn goes, I mean, yeah, but going from that to making four Vicks sodomize each other before killing them is kind of a jump. And Huang, way ahead of him goes one of the victims probably said something that challenged his fragile fragile masculinity so they made the victims rape each other as like a dom power move yeah like to hum- humiliate them yeah yeah Craigan says that Dewthorne is temporarily reassigned to SVU to work on the case so cool we get to deal with cool guy the entire episode mm-hmm. okay I'm gonna pause this real quick okay Tasha okay did you come up with any nicknames for Dewthorne I have to know <gasps> yeah Wait, let's Tasha. say, wait. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> you did too. I have, I have a nickname for him, but it goes with something else. You made a nickname for him too, yes? Yes, and it goes with something else. No. Yes. <laughs> okay, let's say it at the same okay. time. Ready? One, One two, two, three. three. Toots and Toots I fucking knew it. I love you so much. I love you so much. Oh my God. You know what I want to happen to us? What? <laughs> when you die, I, I'm going to make sure that I'm holding your hand and that I die at the exact same time. Why is my death pre-planned? When you die, yeah. I'm going to continue on with your legacy. <laughs> I know. That's, that's why <laughs> you have children. My life will never be the same, but. I knew it. I fucking knew it. What? That we that that yeah the the nickname yeah I of did course. not I couldn't I still can't believe it you know what it's not even that far of a stretch for both of us to call them toots and doots but the fact that we both did still I don't yeah. need to look for things for us to for me to love us so <laughs> but okay. there it is one more okay so toots and doots the rest of this all right so Duthorn says the table at the party was set for seven guests four people are deceased. There's two people that showed up late and found them. Who is the seventh person? Gee, that's a mystery. Why did I write that? 
<laughs> Richard. It's a pretty girl down there. <laughs> so they have to go talk to Earl. Okay. That's from Tommy Boy, just so you guys know. That's from Tommy Boy. If you don't know that's from Tommy Boy, pause this, call in sick, go home, and watch one of the best movies of the 90s. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, now they have to go talk to Earl, Evan's dad. At the residence of Earl Briggs, Toots and Dutes are talking to the big man, Earl. He can't come up with anyone who would be such a psycho and do what was done to these young people. Mm-hmm. Some low-value jewelry was taken but so was a framed photo of Earl and Evan fishing. Yeah, and it means a lot to him. Yeah. That's the only thing he really cared about. And then he gestures towards this super obvious spot on the wall, but is going to point it out for them anyway. I was like, wash your walls, dude. <laughs> that is like, are you smoking? Are you, I was going to say, are you a heavy <laughs> smoker? Because there yeah. was just a big square, a big f- picture frame spot with a little nail on it that was like, this is where it hung. It's obvious because there's a huge clean spot where it was. A wildly different shade. The stealing of the fishing photo isn't an overtly sexual motive, so that doesn't make sense to Toots at all because that's the only way he can think. So he thinks it's probably just in evidence by accident. Yeah, like it fell off the wall during the attack and they gathered it up or something. Right, but we're going to tuck that away. I played Mm -hmm. Gabe the entire... This entire fucking episode, everything. I thought I fucking had it. Even at the, like towards the end when I was like, yeah, I was like, this, this wasn't that this wasn't that much of a mystery, you know, at all. Mm-hmm. I need to give myself more credit, though. I was crushing it. Mm-hmm. Earl thinks that Paul Buzzy Dumont was the seventh guest. He just moved back from Boston. Earl just got Buzzy a job at No Ho magazine. And Toots goes, I prefer Yes Ho magazine. <laughs> <laughs> At the NoHo magazine offices, Toots and Dudes go to find Paul. The receptionist tries to get a hold of Paul, but he doesn't answer his phone, and she's a total bitch about it. I know. And you know what's funny about that? Her only other credit is from an episode of Rescue Me titled Bitch. <laughs> Typecast. Oh. Also, she's very cute. I love mm-hmm. her 90s raccoon eyeliner. She was fantastic. The editor mm-hmm. of the magazine, Ralph Sloan, who looks like he came so super close to getting the Johnny drama role on Entourage comes down to talk to them. Mm-mm. What? Who is this, this is guy? I, got. I said, Gabe just wagged her finger at me. Like we were in a fucking angry lady street fight. <laughs> like I just editor, yelled at her kids at the park. The, She's like, Mm-mm, bitch. the editor comes down the wannabe Kevin Dillon, Matt Dillon's brother. <gasps> uh huh. Yeah. Yes. Got yes. it in your head. Do you know what's, because for a second I was like, is that Matt? And of course it's not Matt Dillon. Then I was like, which one has the goatee? And I was like, holy shit, it's Kevin Dillon. Gabe, do you know who Kevin Dillon is? Do you Matt know Dillon's who Kevin brother. Dillon is? Matt he Dillon's played brother. Johnny Drama on Entourage. No fucking way. Yes. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Yes. Dude. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> again, this is this is us falling in love all over again. <laughs> Yeah, what did I? I, I want to be men in black <laughs> so I can meet you and fall in love with you all over again. Oh my oh. God, but you hated me for like the first 30 minutes you met me. For oh, weeks. I don't know. Than that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not for everybody. I can't believe this. Okay, we're, not, we're six minutes into the episode okay. and I have the most diamond nips I've ever I have <laughs> the hardest best friendship boner I may have had in years. I didn't think I could get it up this hard after this many years together. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, he comes. Did you hear down. that? Did you hear my sigh? I was like, 
So Ralph Sloan, mm. this guy is Ralph Sloan. He comes down the stairs to talk to them. He tells them that Paul is in the hospital because he was in an accident the night before. Oh. Okay. Toots and dudes are at the Roosevelt Hospital. Paul is on a ventilator unconscious. He looks super beat the fuck up too. Yeah. Paul was brought in by an ambulance. He had skull fractures. He had surgery to reduce the swelling from the bleeding in his brain. The doctor is honestly surprised he's alive and she doesn't think his chances are good. The EMS report said he fell and that he was found drunk in the street, but she didn't believe it because his injuries were too crazy for a fall. Yeah. She literally said they're more consistent with being whacked with a blunt object than a fall. And I'm like, is whacked a medical term? (laughs) This guy got fucking smoked in the melon. It's something real hard. Off to surgery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the x-rays show he was hit in the head in three places with radiating fractures on all of them. Mm-hmm. She said, yeah, probably hit with a blunt object. Also, there was no fucking alcohol found in his system. Hmm. Hmm. So now we're at the precinct. Craig and Toots and Dutes and Munch go over new details. The officers that found Paul in the subway stairwells report that he smelled like booze and assumed he was just drunk and fell down the stairs. Yeah. None of Paul's blood was found at the crime scene, but the flowers he bought were. And a florist positively IDs Paul as the person who bought him. Mm-hmm. And a bottle of wine. They think that maybe the perp hurt Paul before he got to the party and then used the flowers to get in the door. Even though Paul had skull fractures, he could have stumbled to the subway station prior to passing out. The bottle of wine he had probably broke when he was attacked, and that's why he stunk like fucking booze. Munch gets a call. Two more victims found at Riverside Park. Holy shit. Now we're at Riverside Park. CSU Jeff Garland, the curly-haired guy that we like, he shows toots and dudes the scene and goes over the details. A male and a female in their 50s were found nude and shot in the head. Rape not confirmed yet. Corner Warner is on her way. Oh my god. And again, CSU Jeff Garland goes, there was blood on mrs weston's nether region nether region what are these terms i wrote groin because i was like i refuse to say nether region because that's the word that a csu fucking detective would say but it's Mm -hmm. like is this a sex crime i don't know she had fucking blood on a (laughs) hoo-ha i don't fucking know it sounds on her nether region it's like i feel uncomfortable saying vagina you're a 45 year old man Yeah. Why don't you just say they were making whoopee or something? Jesus. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Fucking. Fucking match game. (laughs) There was a bullet found in a nearby tree, which to me, I'm like, you're in Central Park. What the fuck? (laughs) Like, wait. (laughs) How did you, how did you find a bullet in a tree? There's probably a lot. (laughs) They also found a key ring with some keys on it, but the ring is damaged. Like some were fucking ripped off. Maybe the car keys? The victims had their cash cards and jewelry taken from them. They got a spree killer on their hands. What? What? The difference between a spree killer and a serial killer is the rate in which they kill people. So spree Mm -hmm. indicates a bunch in a short time, not spread out and not all Mm -hmm. at once. We went over this like tons and tons of episodes ago. Mass killer, that's all at once. Spree Mm -hmm. killer is over a short period of time, but like different crimes. And a serial killer is over a longer period of time. Yeah, because they have like a whole routine usually. Yeah. In the precinct, everybody's there. Oh, Paul Dumont died in the hospital. Mm. So that's seven victims dead in two days. Jesus. Everybody except for him were robbed, sexually assaulted, and shot. And Craigan's like, let's get this guy. Break. So he checks in with Toots one-on-one then. Toots says that the bullet from the tree at the park matches the type of gun used to kill the victims at the townhouse. Craigan asks for updates from Staves, who's single butt-cheeking it on his desk over there. He <laughs> says they're waiting on DNA from rape kits. I want to be I want to be the edge of that table. <laughs> 
You know what I mean? Just the part that's resting in his crack. Oh, his sweat smells like Old Spice. Ugh, I don't care. I meant that in a good way. <laughs> I, I meant like I don't care what it smells like. Oh. <laughs> so Stabe says that they're waiting on DNA from rape kits. There were fluids present on the two victims from the park. And there are no stray hairs other than the victims. Mm-hmm. Oof. Mrs. Weston was also pistol whipped. And then in the background on the corkboard, there's this super sweet photo of the Weston smiling. And I forgot mm-hmm. this was pretend for a second. And I felt terrible for their probably college day daughter that never gets mentioned. But in mm-hmm. my mind, uh, right away, I'm just like, oh, somebody has to call her and she has finals coming up. <laughs> They're trying to figure out what all of these Vicks have in common because on the surface, it doesn't look like much, right? Some yeah. people were attacked in a public place. Some people were attacked in their apartment. It's a group of the young people. It's, yeah. yeah, an older, a much older couple. <laughs> uh, hey, 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 the photo from the Briggs house of Evan and his dad fishing isn't in evidence. Mm. And the thing broken off of Mrs. Weston's keys was a keychain with a photo of her grandson. Mm-hmm. Both items that only have value to their owners. And Huang says the purpose destroying happy families, it's possible that their own family was terrible. Remember mm-hmm. that Mulaney bit about the kid he knew that stole framed family photos from parties in high school? No. Oh my god. That. It's it's in um it's in his special new in town. He tells this whole thing about going to this party and the guys like scatter and uh, the last thing I knew I was climbing this fence and I woke up in bed and he went to school the next day and the kid was like, "Oh my god, everybody trashed my place cuz he was the son of a teacher or whatever. Mm-hmm. Somebody shit on my dad's computer." <laughs> but the worst part is that someone stole a bunch of antique photos of family members of mine. Oh, I can't get those back. And he Whoa. was like, "Jesus Christ, who would do that? So years later, he's hanging out with this other kid from high school. And the kid's like, hey, come check this out. And he takes me to this room off of his bedroom, which is never good. And it is <laughs> wall to wall with other people's old family photos. And I said, why do you do this? And he said, because it's the one thing you can't replace. Oh, my God. <laughs> it Jesus. The, oh, that's all I could think of with this. Oh. So Craigan wants Benny and Stabes running things from here on out. Yeah. And toots and dudes are going to get what they can out of CSU. Yeah. They have to stop this guy because he's not going to stop until they fucking catch him. Right. I mean, seven people in fucking two days. That's insane. That's a lot. That's a lot. At Riverside Park, Munch and Duthorn are walking and talking with a CSU captain. CSU has the park taped off and is still combing the area for evidence. I swear to God, if one of these motherfuckers trips over some shit, I was like watching it, just shaking my head. None of you better come across something. I better fucking not. Mm. There are three sets of footprints found at the murder site, two from the victim and the other one from Jesus because he was carrying them. (laughs) (laughs) The other one? The other is a work boot, possibly belonging to the perp. (laughs) Whenever you feel alone, just know that Jesus is carrying you away from the crime scene. (laughs) It looks like the perp saw them on the sidewalk, forced them to walk into the park where he then killed them. Mm. The footprint pattern shows the perp ran from the victims and entered and left the park almost in the same spots. Duthorn thinks he could have been using a car to get around and went back to his car to flee the scene. Munch mm-hmm. wonders if someone who parked behind him remembers the car and wants to canvas the buildings on that block. OMG, mm. I hope they find somebody. <laughs> Did someone park behind? We're in New York. So we're in fucking Manhattan. So now Toots and Dutes are canvassing the apartments near the park. This soft worm of a man in a Hawaiian shirt answers the door. 
not happy that they got past the doorman. Mm -hmm. His name is Rennie Nix, and this is his third SVU appearance. Hmm. He goes, and you can't barge in here like you're Hawaii Five O when there's some guy running around killing people. What are you doing about that? I'm sorry, you're the one wearing the Hawaiian shirt. Like, right. Fuck off. Like, you know? we get it. You love a theme. Like, this is part of your life. But, like, like you're no Tom Selleck. Dude, can we focus on what's going on here? This guy is yeah. town hall meeting pissed. Yeah. Do He's like, what are you doing about it? They're like, that's why we're fucking talking to you. Because we're doing something about yes. you. We're literally knocking on your door. We're canvassing. We came to you. Yeah, he's a prick. Duthorn asks the guy if he owns a car, and he says no, tells him to get lost, and slams the door in his fucking face. <laughs> no. <sighs> Toots and Dutes go back out to the park. So they're having, like, these little get-to-know-you chats throughout the whole fucking episode. We find out that Duthorn's been on the job for only five years, and Toots thinks that he landed the job in homicide because of his neighborhood connections. And Duthorn mm -hmm. threatens to take his ball and go home when a lady comes up and talks to them he's just being a little bitch you see this woman immediately come out the door behind them literally they're doing a walk and talk all the way to the park and the woman is behind them and then doesn't say anything until i mean they even cross an entire road <laughs> I didn't she doesn't say her. shit <laughs> you didn't she was she, you can see her leaving the apartment right after they did she was just like behind them i guess waiting for the appropriate time to but say hey guys tell them she knows weird. something about the, the murder yeah <laughs> she was following the, them the entire time just give them a quick like excuse me officers like they're gonna exactly. turn around yeah i mean they got through a whole little like history lesson about each other before she even said anything I don't like care she was right behind it. she heard the whole thing right it was weird so this woman is mrs nix she's the rude hawaiian shirt guy's wife she did see something she's like my husband said we shouldn't get involved and i'm like always get involved always always get involved mm -hmm. okay she was closing the curtains and saw a man and a woman standing next to a car another man got out of that car and followed the two into the park but she didn't see his face. Mm -hmm. She did remember that the car was gold and the last part of the plate number was 3-5. My daughter's birthday, March 5th. Like, that's what made her remember the 3-5, okay? Like, we don't mm -hmm. need the explanation every time. We know that you're going to remember a detail that's going to get us to the next step. Also, John's birthday is March 5th. Also, that's two months minus two days away from Gabe's birthday. We haven't mentioned your birthday in a while. You know, yeah, yeah. She also says she didn't know what kind of car it was because, like, I don't know, a Lexus from a Lincoln. Wow. Now we're at the precinct. Mrs. Nix is there and she's talking to some fucking computer database guy about the details she remembers about the car. Mm -hmm. It was a four door gold sedan. Gross. Gold cars are gross. Oh, the, I've seen a some fucking, cool. I don't know. If it if it was a like a fucking seventies van, See, you know, it was gold with like a scene painted on the side of it, and like a weird teardrop bubble window. That'd be cool. But I'm yeah, we're go, we're going in different Ford, directions. A Ford Contour, no, I mean, um, or you know, a Rolls gold Rolls Royce is cool. Yeah, and also like four hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> Yeah, but we're talking about a Ford here. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, anyway, Don't get so all fucking middle of the road, 90s, gold, gross. <laughs> I agree. She knows it was a four-door gold sedan, and it had a trunk, not a hatchback, and that the license plate was on the trunk. She also describes where the lights were on the car. The guy's like, it's a Ford Contour. And Toots is like... <laughs> <laughs> need to be oh dudes is like oh my god there's gotta be at least a hundred in manhattan <laughs> <laughs> there's dozens of <laughs> uh, but toots finds a stolen ford contour in the system and the address of the person it belongs to a mr al baker so now we're at al baker's house toots and dudes 
are talking to Charlie Baker. That's Al's son. Charlie, the son, played Boone in Lost. Also, he's the perp. It's totally him. I'm calling it. Yeah. He tells him that Al is the superintendent for the apartment. Also, Charlie seems to have a little bit of a limp, which Mm -hmm. I was like... The footprints didn't say anything about a limp. So Al's in the living room. He has a wound on his forehead. He also has the coolest voice. He sounds a little bit like Dustin Hoffman, doesn't he? Yes, but let me tell you this. This drove me fucking... As tra- it's something so small and stupid, but we're here to nitpick shit. As Charlie's leaving, because his dad's like, hey, you got to go to work. Get out of here. Because he's kind of hovering, like listening to the conversation that's about to mm-hmm. happen. And he's like, don't forget your brother, Billy. Billy Baker, just spelled just like it sounds. He's got brown hair and kind of looks like you. Why would he say, don't forget your brother, Billy? He has one brother. He knows who he is. It just bothered me. It's just TV shit. He was born on March 5th, 1982. Your brother, Billy. You guys grew up together. You go to the same school. You both sit in the back seat of my Ford Contour. Whoops. I don't know. <laughs> It'd be funny if Charlie was like, who? My brother? Who? Fuck you. <laughs> <Just left. laughs> Al says he parked the car to go to a supply store and couldn't find it after. Mm-hmm. He looked everywhere and even called his two sons, Charlie Baker and Billy Baker, <laughs> to see if they took it. The Baker boys. <laughs> and then they're like, how'd you get this fucking head wound? And he says he got it from working under a sink. And when he popped his head up, he hit it on the cabinet yeah like mm -hmm. occupational hazard and i was like that's a red herring because the real thing we're supposed to hear was that al thought maybe one of his boys took the car first because it was charlie i told you i predicted this entire episode toots and dudes leave the apartment and immediately start talking shit about al (laughs) (laughs) they don't believe him about the head wound and he smelled super drunk he smells like he bathes in johnny walker Mm -hmm. they find al's sons billy baker and charlie baker in the hallway i'm I'm gonna i'm I'm just gonna do it charlie Uh, has a noticeable limp and looks like a condom full of mud and is guilty (laughs) i (laughs) he does look like a condom full of mud (laughs) oh how can i draw that spiky hair (laughs) but it's but but his belly's like (laughs) with a knot at the bottom (laughs) toots asked him if they ever use this car and they're like no it's crap i don't want to go pick up chicks in it and the little brother is like <laughs> yeah and i'm like okay charlie's in charge of this charles is in charge charles in charge of yeah. billy's day and his crimes yeah. Sorry. the baker boys take off and toots gets a call the car was located and so were two more fucking victims Fuck. in central park toots and dudes are checking out the car with daddy craigan in his newsies cap he looks adorable <gasps> his cutie little hat oh, yeah so cute <laughs> The car was found with lights on, driver's side door open. The steering column is undamaged, so whoever took it used a key to drive it. Toots thinks that it's an insurance fraud setup. OMG, this is me predicting again. What if it's both brothers? Am I guessing that because I know that already? I think when you gave the description last week about it, I think that was sticking in the back of my mind because I didn't remember it, but there's no way I could have known that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just know, not that good at predict. I don't have I don't have faith in my prediction skills, so I was like, I had to know that already. But it's not prediction because they give you the clues in the whole episode. They tell, like, basically are have a big sign around everybody that's like, that guy, unless there's a crazy twist at the end and you're like, oh, you've thrown us for a loop. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're wagging our finger at the TV. Oh, it's you. Like, Jeremy, you son of a bitch. Okay, so the victims are on the ground a little ways away from the car. It's two 22-year-olds, Adam Darling and Craig Fischetti. 
Mm-hmm. Their clothes are still on, but their cash, cards, and jewelry have been taken. One of them has their fly down, so maybe the perp didn't have time to do shit, or mm-hmm. maybe that had to do with the area being a lover's lane. Like, maybe these guys were together for their own mm-hmm. reasons. Maybe they were about to fucking do it, and Yeah, and then the perp up, you know? found them, you know, like yeah. some fucking Son of Sam shit or something. And Yeah, and then, and like, got freaked out and took off. I don't know. Right, so the perp may have left in Adam's car, which was a silver Acura. Mm-hmm. So now Toots and Dutes go to the New Jersey address on Adam's car registration. Adam's dad said that Adam borrowed the car and asked if Adam, Craig, and the girls were okay. Mm-hmm. <gasps> the girls? Yeah. Okay. Um, what girls? What girls? There were there's nobody else there. I was like, oh my god, they're a gay couple and their adopted daughters were kidnapped. <laughs> That's where I went immediately. Back at the precinct, Duthorn is at a fucking eleven, going over the new info with Craig and Toots, tailing behind the hallway walk and talk. Like he's behind them, like blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Claudia Smullen and Diane Combs, both twenty one, they're roommates at college, and they were on a double date with Adam and Craig. Nobody's heard heard from these girls either the three walk and talkers get into the squad room where everybody's just busting ass on this case mm-hmm. benny tells them ballistic says the same gun used on all of the other victims was used to kill adam and craig dave doesn't get why the perp would keep these two girls alive after he's killed everybody else kwong has got an answer as he mm-hmm. often does he says that the girls are living trophies the perp is stashing them somewhere and he may have used the other victims as surrogates to rape each other and is now mm-hmm. ready to rape the two women himself after killing nine people in like three days his confidence has grown and he's like i can do it now right craigan says the perp's mo is all over the place but the constants are his gun and his comfort zone which is the upper west side Mm -hmm. kwong says the perp likes controlled environments the townhouse secluded areas of parks that kind of stuff Mm-hmm. And he may target couples because he's jealous. Huang says he's going to kill the women either when he's, quote, done or when one mm-hmm. of them pisses him off. Staves gets off a call that we didn't know he was on. Turns out the lab found something in the car. To the fucking lab. In the crime scene lab, Toots and Dudes meet with the CSU lady, uh, the sergeant or whatever. Mm-hmm. No blood, prints, or fibers connecting victims to the Ford Contour, but there are footprints that match the other crime scenes. It's a shoe size, eight or nine and a half. Dude is probably between 5'5 five, five and 5'10. Five, the perp is wearing outdoor wear explorer boots. Because they can't say Timberlands. I know. She <laughs> lifted them up. I was like, those are fucking Tims, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Wood and fiberglass particles were found on the tread, as well as grass seed, pesticide, fertilizer, and bronze and brass key shavings. Toots points out that it could be the superintendent. Oh my God, Al. Mm-hmm. She thought that too, except for the grass and fertilizer. The person has to be working around all that stuff all the time. Deuce said all that shit could be found at a hardware or home improvement store. Another lab dude comes in and gives a late... This guy, I don't know. This guy went <laughs> silent film method. <laughs> like, yes. I know. He's like, I know you're trying to get me to speak, but I'm not getting paid for that. So... Yeah, he, sh- he should have been wearing like my makeup or something. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh know? my God, I said that too. I really? Said, he says... Oh. He says nothing and hands her a paper. When she tells him to go and get it and make sure nobody fucks with it till it gets to the lab, he replies with a mime nod. <laughs> or, he's like, I can't. I'm in a box. <laughs> and he's like, okay. And then he pulls himself away on a rope. 
<laughs> yeah, so he gives her a piece of paper. Fucking Adam's silver Acura SUV was found with someone sleeping inside of it. In the precinct, Benson got a description from the drunk guy that was in the Acura. The dude said it was a male, 5'9", with dark hair and blue eyes. And fucking dudes is like, that's everybody! <laughs> The squad will need to canvas the home improvement stores, but only the ones that sell lumber to see if they can get leads on the perp. Mm-hmm. That's got to narrow it down a little bit, you'd think, in New York. Yeah, I for sure. Yeah. At GNC Home Improvement Center, Dutes and Toots are talking to the manager. Several dudes match the description that work there, including Billy Baker. Oh, oh my God. The son of the guy who owned the Ford Contour. Where do you know Al? Oh my God. Billy Baker, Charlie's brother? <laughs> Wait, Charlie Baker, right? Charlie Baker. <laughs> this guy's like i can't imagine billy being in any trouble he's the best he's a boss's dream he said billy is a good employee he worked three years and was late only one time guess when that time was a few days ago when his car was stolen oh he does drive the car does he oh he does boom cut to the precinct toots and dudes walk into craigan's office with billy's headshot all ready for the cork board basically mid-sentence explaining to craigan and huang that billy had the car thankfully craigan and huang were just standing in there with their hands in their pockets powered down so the guys didn't interrupt anything <laughs> like what a strange and aggressive way to enter a room yeah it they was were talking before odd. they got over the threshold of the door <laughs> anyway <laughs> Billy must have taken the car and dumped it in Central Park. He also wiped his prints off the steering column. That's why they can't find anything. Mm-hmm. And Huang, he gets Billy and says, Billy grew up around wealthy people. He only lives in that nice building because his dad's the super and he's resentful mm-hmm. about it. He goes on to say that it's just a power game. If they arrest him now, he won't tell them where the girls are hidden. And Craig goes, then we sit on him and hope he doesn't kill again. And I excuse me blinked so hard but then he said the squad's gonna split up into three teams three shifts to watch billy 24 7 and then i was relieved i was like oh my god i thought you were just like weren't gonna arrest yeah. him toots in his fucking leather suit was he's like i can turn into a chair in like five seconds <laughs> craigan wants the ford contour given back to the bakers if csu is done with it okay now toots and dudes are in a car on a stakeout shift Toots is judging Dutes for reading the National Bugle with the headline, I had sex with Siamese twins. And Dutes yep. is like, I got an inquiring mind. And Dutes- I thought it was funny because like the Nash, it was supposed to be like the National Inquirer. Yeah. But they call it the National Bugle. But he was like, I have a inquiring mind. And I was like, you guys. <laughs> also, Siamese twins. The early aughts were fucked. <laughs> like, oh, God. That's funny that we both were like t- just talking about the National yeah. Would it be great if they flipped it and it's like he was reading the National Enquirer and he's like, I have a bugling mind. <laughs> what? Dumb. <laughs> and then he puts bugles on his finger and he's a witch. <laughs> and then he's like, <laughs> Dutes waxes intellectual to toots about how solving SVU is all about the why and homicide is more point and shoot about the who. It goes on for a while, but honestly, I don't really care about getting to know him any more than I already have been forced to mm-hmm. this episode. Good thing because they see Billy driving the Ford and they follow him. He goes to an ATM and uses a piece of paper to type in a pin, indicating that it's probably a stolen cart because who keeps their mm-hmm. pin number written on a little scrap of paper? Mm-hmm. Toots and Dutes move in to arrest him. Billy runs! Chugga, 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 chugga. Music gets intense. But Dutes catches him, throws him on a car, and puts his police issue fire firearm to billy's fucking forehead i I know and billy's 
as Billy's sniveling, Dewthorn has fucking shark eyes and is demanding to know where the girls are. He's like hard stabling right now. <laughs> yeah. Big time. Like, big time. They're yeah. like, there's not enough stabler in this episode, but we need to bring that same energy. Got it? And he's like, oh, I fucking get it. Gun to the forehead. And Toots is standing next to him going, Dave! God, Dave! <laughs> Dude's name is, it's Dave Dutes. Dave Dewthorn. Fucking... So a dude in a Carhartt jacket and beanie is standing there watching them like a Sims avatar, like in the background, and then just walks away. Yeah. The, he's like stiff armed walking into the police car <laughs> and then and then just turns. Has and, to do like a full like <laughs> if it was like now that motherfucker would have a cell phone out and dudes wouldn't have a job. Correct. You know what I mean? Yes. As the cops arrest Billy, Toots says that the stolen cards will be enough to get a warrant to search Billy's place. In the Baker family apartment, CSU is searching the shit out of this place. Oh my God, Tasha. In my notes, it said, the hot brother says Billy wouldn't do... <laughs> I don't know where my head was, but this guy does... I Wait, know. are you talking about the guy that you previously called a condom full of mud <laughs> condom full of mud this is he's the kind of attractive that 20 year old me would have been like um please ruin my self-esteem and my credit <laughs> ruin my self-esteem and my credit 650 we can go lower <laughs> so i'm gonna retract that i called him the hot brother that was young me talking charlie says that billy would never do what they're accusing him of, which is mm -hmm. interesting because they told him why they're searching. Like, I didn't get that part yet. Dad tells mm -hmm. Munch that he's got master keys to everywhere in the building. Then Charlie comes up again and says that Billy's been hanging out in the basement a lot lately. I don't know. Is that something? To the fucking basement. I know. Yeah. I was like, okay, Charlie. Yeah. You're obviously like the fucking mm -hmm. dude in charge here. In the basement, an orgy of evidence. The photos that were taken were found along Toots with the- in the corner just jizzing everywhere. <laughs> it's, he's hooked his dick up to the sprinkler system. <laughs> oh my God, gross. <laughs> Too far? Oh. <laughs> In the basement, the photos that were taken were found, along with the engagement ring from the townhouse and the boots that matched the prints at the crime scene. His whole stash. The way that they're taking them out of this Mary Poppins bag, too, was really annoying because they're like, here's a photo. Here's a ring. Like, you're not even going to, like, shuffle around in the bag to whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dudes and Toots got Billy Baker in the precinct interview room yes they're laying out all the photos of the women and the stolen stuff billy's like oh, i don't know what you're talking about obviously dudes takes a picture of the boots and he's like look at it and fucking covers his face with it yeah and like shakes it and i wonder if that was like improv because that was really weird i don't know it was yeah he like pie faced him with it and then mashed yeah. it around in his face and i'm like jesus dave God. yeah he's getting a little uh physical dave god god dave Billy starts crying and he's like, why are you picking on me? Toots tells him that if he doesn't tell them where the girls are and if they die, the DA will for sure give him the lethal injection. And then Toots and Toots are like, this is your only shot to stay alive. Billy says he wants to talk to his brother before he tells them anything. And I'm like, oh my God, even more. In the squad room, Craigan's like, we don't fucking need Charlie. Everything on Billy is pretty airtight. Yeah. But they need to find the women. But dudes and toots want Craigan to sign off on them talking to Charlie because they have to do something. Yeah. Craigan says fine, but he wants Wong to listen to every fucking word they talk about. Charlie and Al show up. The dad is like, do we like need, maybe we need a lawyer? But Charlie's like, no, no lawyer's going to get Billy out of this. 
if Billy tells them where the girls are, he won't be put to death. So Charlie's got to talk to him. He's like, dad, we have to save his life. I fucking hate Charlie. Huang toots and doots. Listen when Charlie goes in to talk to Billy. Billy tells Charlie he's so sorry. Charlie tells him it's okay. Billy does not want to show the cops where the women are. He just won't do it. His brother is kind of trying to convince him sort of, but he won't break. And then I wrote, it is fucking Charlie. Mm -hmm. He's got a hole in his brother for sure. Kragen comes in. Two more bodies found in Greenwich Village. What the fuck is going on? Everybody's like, what? That's way out of his fucking comfort zone. And Billy's been in custody. Mm-hmm. At the Greenwich Village crime scene, the Bravermans, another couple in their 20s, are nude. The woman was shot executioner style and raped, but no fluids were found on the husband, which means the perp did the raping. And the husband fucking didn't have a face. The shooter put the gun right between this dude's eyes. The timeline rules out Billy. It happened when he was in custody. Could be a copycat or Billy had a partner. Um, Charlie, you know what I mean? Like fucking Charlie. Yeah. My, my notes say his brother, four O's, four T's, four H's, four E's and four R's. Yeah. And then I, I wrote, oh my God, was he faking a limp so the cops wouldn't look at him as a, a suspect with the footprints? <gasps> Wong says it's personal as fuck. Gotta check out these victims' backgrounds ASAP. And they need to check with ballistics about these new victims. Yes. Now we're at the precinct. Toots, Wong, and Craigan are doing a walk and talk while Toots catches them up on what they found about the Baker's background. Mr. Braverman lived in the same building as the Baker brothers while they were growing up. Toots shows up screaming about the ballistics lab results. The same gun was used as the other murders on the new Toots victims. And the footprints are similar same boot, same size, but the walking pattern is different. The new set of prints has a fucking smudge consistent with a limp. Charlie Baker, oh my God. Wong is like, oh my God, Charlie is the dominant one. He's calling the shots. Yeah. Duh. Toots wants to grab him. Craigan tells him to chill. Charlie is onto them and will try to kill the woman if he hasn't already. Toots and Toots go to find Charlie at the apartment building. The dad, Al Baker, says Charlie Baker is gone. He didn't show up for work. He hasn't seen him since he left the precinct. Mr. Al Baker knows Charlie has to be involved with what Billy did. Billy can't do anything without being told what to do. We know this. Mm. This guy is also way too calm talking about both of his sons possibly going on a murder spree. I know. Toots grabs him by the collar and tells him to fucking say something because they don't have time for this shit. He backs up and says, okay, okay, calm down. Just don't hit me. And then I wrote, does Charlie beat up his dad? Oh my God. I also said, I wonder if Charlie abuses him. They ask him, does anybody know where Charlie is? And he goes, yeah, yeah, his girlfriend. He and that slut work together. I'm like, whoa, Al. Jeez. Jesus, Dave. Deuce is like, I didn't do anything. At the Java Java Cafe, Toots and Dutes are questioning Charlie's ex-girlfriend, Marie. She's annoyed by their existence and says that she has no clue where Charlie is. She dumped him six fucking months ago and says that he and Billy are crazy. Charlie had even asked Marie to have sex with Billy to break him in. Ew. Fucking ew. That reminds me of that movie, um, Bully. Oh Did my you God, ever I see that? I have not seen that in years. I couldn't even tell you the plot. It's is a that true the one? story. Oh no, I'm thinking of Brick. What is... It's a true story about some people that killed... The guy from Kids is in it. Okay. Mm, um, it's really good. So they ended up having a threesome because she was like, yeah, I'll fuck your brother. And then while she was... <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, sure. Fuck it. I'll I'll fucking fuck your brother. I don't give a shit. So while she was boning Billy, Charlie came in. And so they ended up having a threesome. She said then it turned into a twosome. And they were like, you and Charlie? And she's like, no. Charlie and Billy. And they were like, gross. Go on. (laughs) 
Yeah, Charlie raped Billy while Marie was there. Billy didn't want to, but Charlie made him. Yeah. Billy was crying so hard that his dad, Al, came in and caught them. And then Charlie threatened to kill them all if they ever told anyone. In the precinct, dad, Al, is brought in for questioning. Everybody's entry into the interview room is flamboyant, and I loved it. Al comes through the door like he's been pushed and flops away from dudes. Then the camera cuts to Huang with a face like, honey, nobody pushed you. Okay. <laughs> Well, he's well, also drunk, but yeah, yeah, we well, yeah. At first, I'm yeah. just like, look at him, and then it's he's drunk. <laughs> Quang Toots and Dudes interview him. He's drunk. Uh, Toots gets in his face and full blast yells, "You reek of booze! You're drunk!" So hard that it knocks Al out of his chair. <laughs> He begs Toots not to hit him, and Toots feels bad, but of course doesn't apologize to the old man on the floor. He does help him up, though. Huang asks Al who's been beating him up, and Al admits that Charlie was raping Billy, and Al told him to stop. But Charlie berated Al and told him to fuck off, so Al called Charlie the F-slur. And I'm like, what the fuck, Al? I don't want to focus on the wrong part of the story, but Jesus, Dave. <laughs> yeah, it's incest, too, by the way. Yeah. You like know, that's that's the part. That's a thing that you could be like. That's the part to. Yeah. You know, and the rape yeah. of it. As the well. rape and incest. Yeah. Yeah. Not the F word. What the fuck is that? Whatever. So for this argument, Charlie beat the shit out of his dad. Now, since then, Charlie hits his dad every day. Shit. Al says that Billy's a good kid that does whatever Charlie says. He tells the detectives that he knows that Charlie has done everything, not Billy. They ask if he's hiding Charlie or if he knows where the women are. He says he doesn't know. He's also scared that Charlie will kill him if he tells them where Charlie's hiding. Then he eventually tells them that Charlie's hiding in another apartment in the building. Mm-hmm. Like, people are out of town or something. Toots and Dutes bust in the apartment where Charlie is hiding. He's there. Charlie is arrested and his dad fucking walks in and watches. Charlie's freaking out. He's like, he tells him he's going to fucking kill him for telling him where he is and blah, blah, blah. And dad says, I should have killed you for what you did to Billy. And then Charlie is struggling so fucking hard they had to cuff his legs. Yeah. Dutes finds the gun on Charlie. And then Charlie's like, you're never going to find those bitches they're gonna die and you're never gonna find them ah you know i'm a bad guy ah yeah my name's charlie you have a limp i'm a bad dude ah. <laughs> uh now call me chuck it? now <laughs> i don't know big chuck <laughs> big chuck baker <laughs> lady killer i don't know for some reason it sounds like i'm a lumberjack and i run on logs in the water <laughs> <laughs> i wear spike shoes but it's only for climbing those really tall ones during the competition is there a corn eating contest <laughs> Is that corn? <laughs> <laughs> now we're in the precinct. Toots and Dutes are interrogating Charlie. Charlie refuses to tell them where the women are, of course. He will not budge. <laughs> yeah, Toots goes, give it up, Charlie. Your father told us everything. And Charlie literally goes, my father doesn't know dick. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. He's a drunk loser. Doesn't know what he fucking says. Dutes grabs him by the throat and they call him a loser. <laughs> <laughs> Shirley is like, y'all think you're better than me? Like all those rich people, you think you can boss me around? Toots does this like verbal eye roll thing. And he's like, oh, honey, that what's all about? <laughs> Charlie says, damn right it is. And I showed them. Yeah. <laughs> he said it so weird. He's like, I showed him. <laughs> Toots is like, sure, Jan, where are the women? Yeah. And then Charlie's like, oh, if you're so smart, you'll find them yourself. And then Dutes punches Charlie in the head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they bring in Billy and their dad. Al tries to get Billy to tell where the women are. And he says, no, take me back to jail. He like doesn't want to give his brother up. Mm. Al says he's tried to protect Billy from Charlie. And Billy says, what? So I could grow up like you? Charlie's twice the man you'll ever be. Ugh. 
Toots tells Billy that Charlie set him up by planting stolen items in the basement. And Charlie's like, dude, don't fucking say anything. And then Billy's like, wait, we didn't hide those things in the basement. Why are they there? And Toots says, it's to make you take the rap for everything, Billy. Charlie's like, it's not true. But Al chimes in and says that it is true. Charlie stole the key from the chain and brought the stuff down. He betrayed you, Billy. Mm. He's like, I might not be much, but I would never sell you out. Charlie did. And I'm like, this isn't a competition. (laughs) Right. Toots tells Billy that only Billy's boots were there, not Charlie's. And Billy's like, oh my God, this motherfucker really is. Billy breaks down and asks Charlie why he didn't protect him. Charlie's like, shut the fuck up and be a man and don't tell them where those bitches are. Billy calls him a liar. Charlie jumps up and attacks Billy and says he'll rip Billy apart. He says another word. And then Billy's like, Charlie made me kill all those people. Mm Mm-hmm. But Charlie is the one that shot Craig and Adam, the boyfriend of the girls he kidnapped. Yeah. The women are in the water tower on top of the building they live in. They're just up there the whole time. On the rooftop of the apartment building, Toots and Dudes arrive as the women are getting out of the water tower. They're alive. They have frostbite and probably would have not survived another night. They can't see any signs of sexual assault so far, but they're on their way to the hospital for evaluation. Dudes is like, what do we do now? And Toots is like, "Um, we'll get some statements and fucking get some damn sleep. Toyota. That was a good episode. Toyota. Yeah, it was. I liked it. Hmm. Chaser, chaser, let's do it. Let's do it. This is hard. Okay, um, I'm gonna hit a trigger warning like in the middle of this, just so it can be skipped. Like the regular trigger warnings are all gonna be in the thing, but the, I feel like there's one that warrants another warning. Um, and I'll let you know when we get there. What, what I'm gonna tell you about is known as the Wichita Massacre, AKA the Wichita Horror. Brothers Reginald and Jonathan Carr, born two years apart in 1978 and 80, grew up in Dodge City, Kansas. The two were very close. Uh, when the boys were young, they lost their two-year-old sister, and from that, the family fractured. Abuse and neglect became the norm for the boys and their older sister, as well as witnessing terrible violence between their parents. The boys and their sister were also subjected to sexual abuse by their father and later several boyfriends of their mother. As teens, the two got in trouble at school and with the police. Wait, 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 wait. They were sexually assaulted by their mother's boyfriends? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, their mom and dad divorced, um, and she was remarried for a while, and he was abusive, and it, just a, a pattern of really terrible shit to their mom. Mm. Jonathan, the younger of the two, attempted to end his life at 16. But then at 20 and 22, Jonathan and Reginald drove to Wichita. On December 8th, 2000, soon after the cars arrived, Andrew Schreiber was taken at gunpoint by the two of them as he left a convenience store. They drove him around to different ATMs and forced him to withdraw money for them. After they were done, they took him to a remote area, shot holes in his tires, and left him there. Days later, on December 11th, the brothers found a woman sitting in her car in her driveway. Some believe that they followed her there and didn't just stumble upon her sitting there, but... Mm-hmm. This was Linda Ann Walenta. She was 55 years old. She was a cellist and a librarian. Mm-hmm. One of the brothers approached the car and told Ann he needed help. So she rolled her window down and he put his gun in her face. Anne rightfully freaked out and threw her car in reverse. But before she could get away, she was shot three times. And then the brothers just took off. Anne's neighbor called the police because she heard Anne's car horn blaring, but the men were already gone by the time the police arrived or anybody could see anything. Did she die? At the hospital, Anne was able to give descriptions of her attackers before she passed away three weeks later. Oh, Anne! God damn it. Police believe that these were the same men who went after Andrew just a few days prior. Then... 
on Thursday, December 14th, that same year. So this is all within a week, okay? A woman whose identity has been kept private, but is referred to as Holly G, was sleeping over at her boyfriend's place. Holly was a teacher and dating her fellow teacher and coach at Augusta High School, Jason Beffert. Jason lived with two college friends, Bradley Haka, a 27-year-old financial analyst for a financial services company, and 29-year-old Aaron Sanders, who was going to school to become a priest. Holly arrived at their house around 8.30 that night with her little pup, Nikki, a little baby schnauzer, and went to Jason's room to grade papers and wait for Jason to get home from coaching basketball practice. Heather Mueller, Aaron's former girlfriend and church preschool teacher, showed up a little while later. What I gathered when he began, like they were still friends and she was coming over to hang out and stay over. They were sleeping in separate rooms, but whatever the case. Mm -hmm. Jason got home around 9.15, locked the front door behind him, and went to hang out with Holly in his room. Around 11 p.m., Jason and Holly, the only ones awake, noticed the front porch light go on. Before they could figure out what set it off, they heard voices. Then suddenly someone barged into the bedroom and ripped the sheets off of them. Another man followed, dragging Aaron with him, who had fallen asleep in the living room. He threw Aaron onto the bed with Holly and Jason and at gunpoint demanded the three tell them if anyone else was in the house. It was the brothers Reginald and Jonathan. Mm-hmm. They told them about Heather and Bradley, who were quickly dragged into the room by the intruders. The gunman then forced the five captives to undress completely, hand over their money, and pile into Jason's closet. Then, over the next hour, the two brothers took the captives out in different groupings. They took the women out first and forced them to perform sexual acts on one another, then proceeded to take Jason, Bradley, and Aaron out separately to first rape Holly. Then they were all forced to do the same to Heather. When they realized Jason was Holly's boyfriend, they made him stop and moved on to the next person. When Aaron was told to have sex with Holly, he refused, and the men pistol-whipped him in the fucking head. So then they put Holly back in the closet, took Heather out, and when Aaron was unable to get an erection to rape Heather, the men beat him with a golf club before sending him back into the closet. After this, Reginald took each of them individually to ATMs in Jason's truck to withdraw money. Everything that they collected totaled about $2,000. While Reginald was gone, Jonathan raped both Heather and Holly himself. When Reginald returned, he did the same, telling Holly, don't worry, I'm not going to kill you yet. They trashed the house looking for items of value and found a custom-made engagement ring under Jason's bed, like in a... It was like something said it was in a coffee can and something said it was in a popcorn can or box. Oh, he, but was gonna, he was going to propose. He had plans to propose the next weekend. Yeah. When the two confronted the group because they were like, is this the only one like this? What is this? We found this. Da, da, da. Whose is it? Jason looked at Holly and said, that's for you. I was going to ask you to marry me. Three hours in, the Carr brothers loaded everyone into two vehicles and drove them to an empty soccer field. The women had been allowed to put on sweaters and nothing else. They were all barefoot, the men completely naked. Remember, it's December in Kansas. Mm -hmm. The brothers made the five friends walk out into the field and get on their knees. At one point, Holly looked at Heather and said, they're going to shoot us. They shot each one of them execution style and then as they left, ran them over with Jason's truck. Are you fucking kidding me? What in the fuck? But dude, Holly was still alive. She, so she had like a claw hair clip in her hair. Uh-huh. And the bullet hit the clip and was 
diverted. She still had a head injury, but it was diverted from the back of her head. So like it did not go into her head. She said, quote, I felt the bullet hit the back of my head. It went kind of gray with white like stars. I wasn't knocked unconscious. I didn't fall forward. Then someone kicked me and I had fallen forward. I was playing dead. I didn't move. I didn't want them to shoot me again. I waited until I couldn't hear anymore. Then I turned my head and saw lights going. I looked at everyone. Everyone was face down. Jason was next to me. I rolled him over. There was blood squirting everywhere. So I took my sweater off and tied it around his head to try and stop it. He had blood coming out of his eyes. The only thing she could do was to try and run and get help. It was 17 degrees outside, 2 a.m. She was nearly naked and barefoot with a head injury. She ran over a mile until she found a house and banged on the door until a couple answered and took her in to call for help. They immediately were like, oh, my God, we need to call 911. But Holly was so scared that she was going to die before the police got there. So she was like, no, hold on. I have to tell you two everything that happened just in case. So she recounted the entire evening to the couple before she let them call 911. Mm -hmm. She also asked them to call her mom and tell her that she loved her. Because, again, she was like, I could die at any time. Like, that's how injured she was. Mm -hmm. She was taken to the hospital and survived. Wow. She was the only one. She thought Jason was still alive when she got to the house and, and he didn't survive. Mm -hmm. After the brothers had left the five friends to die, they returned to the house to ransack it further. Now, here's the trigger warning, okay? The trigger warning for animal abuse. No, 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 don't. If it's it's about the fucking dog, I can't hear it. I can't hear it. Okay. Can I take my headphones off? Yeah. The two men... I gotta... I can't... I'm just gonna do it. Okay. 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 I didn't say how they did it. I did at first, and then I, I was like, that's too much. I'm not going to do it. But they, they killed Nikki, the dog, back at the house. Okay. So they steal more, and then they take off. Well, in the meantime, unbeknownst to the brothers, fucking Holly's got 911, got the cops involved. By 4 a.m., the cops have the house taped off. They're investigating, and an officer noticed a car drive by. It was kind of going slow it's fucking four in the morning and the one thing the cop noticed about this car the person driving kept just looking straight forward it's like there's a huge crime scene there's police lights there's tape there's all this shit and you don't even turn your head Mm -hmm. so this cop was like that's weird called a sergeant Mm -hmm. was like here's the plate number find this car when a sergeant got to them it was reginald But there was nothing that they could do because they didn't know anything. You know, this guy, it was just a suspicious thing and just a weird feeling. So they let him go. Reginald then drove to meet his brother to swap vehicles and take Jason's truck that they had stolen. Meanwhile, Holly's giving a description of the stolen truck to the police. Within a couple of hours, this shit was all over the news. The truck and plates were being broadcasted everywhere. So like everybody in the area knew by the time they got up what was going on. By 7.30 a.m. the next morning, Reginald's girlfriend's neighbor saw that the truck associated with a quadruple murder from the day before was in his complex parking lot. He had also seen someone take a big TV from the back of the apartment. So he gets the police involved. He's like, holy shit, look what I found. The cops were immediately like... That's fucking Jason's truck. They had also found the clothing that the group had been wearing all over the place, as if someone had been driving around throwing the articles of clothing out the window. Police went straight to Stephanie Donnelly's apartment, Reginald's girlfriend. Police Mm -hmm. grabbed him 
as he tried climbing out the window. And Stephanie told police the description of Jonathan's car then because they're like, we need to find your fucking brother. They found him in the early afternoon at his friend Tronda Green's apartment. He took off, but they caught him after just a really short chase. And they had both of these fucking dummies in custody less than a day after this horrific crime. Good. Anne Walenta was able to ID Reginald before she died of her injuries, along with Andrew Schreiber, the first victim of armed robbery. Remember him? Mm-hmm. Holly was able to identify both men. The state charged them both with over 100 counts, and the verdict came back guilty on nearly all of them. Mm-hmm. Both were sentenced to death on November 14th, 2002. Holly said in court, quote, the sentence imposed on them will be a much kinder sentence than they imposed on me, my friends, and family. In Kansas, there's actually an automatic appeal when a death sentence is given, and they can take years to resolve. And, and there was a bunch of other back and forth stuff going on with the death penalty in mm-hmm. Kansas at the time. Kansas Kansas actually had reinstated the death penalty in 1994 and have not executed one prisoner since doing so. Hmm. And so these dudes are still alive to this day on death row. How old are they? They're in their 40s because they were, it was the year 2000 and they were 20 and 22. So they're in their mid 40s. So yeah, they're like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember Andrew? Our listener, Andrew? No. Andrew, the first, the victim of armed robbery, the one who yeah. they had hijacked and fucking took to ATMs and shit. Yeah. Andrew and Holly met throughout the trial and ended up getting married years later. Oh my God. Yeah. So that was the Wichita massacre. I have never heard of that. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Jeez. That one really fucking hit me, dude. It's, yeah. Crazy. I mean, that's like something out of a fucking horror movie. I mean, it was hours that they had these people stuffed in a closet. I mean, there was one point, I don't remember which one of the, it it was Holly, when she was being driven around to ATMs, she was asking Reginald, she was like, are you guys going to kill us? And he was like, no. And she's like, just take whatever you want and then you can go and we won't say anything. He's like, yeah, for sure. And then he said to her in the car, he was like, you know, if we would have met under other circumstances, like we would probably have really hit it off. Like how fucked up is that? Yeah. Jesus. Next week, we got season four, episode 21, Fallacy. A lady who goes to parties says she killed her attacker out of self-defense. That's it. So rate and review us. Give us five stars if you want. That would be super ideal. Email us at svupod at gmail.com. We're going to be doing a little October BB with ghost stories. So this is me for the only time, first and only time requesting ghost stories for Gabe. You can send us shit if you want at svupod at P.O. Box 176 DeForest, Wisconsin 53532. Mm-hmm. Check out our Instagram at svupod and join the Facebook group svupod elite squad. I fucking love it. Yeah, it's great. Also, hashtag little bit loud for all your yeah. little indie pod needs. Yeah, check it out. And join the Patreon. All right. Um, all right. Well, that's love you. That's, that's it. Love, love you. Bye. bye. Jitter mug. Yeah, it was your life. She was living your, like, the best version of what you could be living. And you were relating to Mariah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're like, I am you. I'm going to fuck that guy from Bible camp. (laughs) (laughs) And I did. (laughs) Jitter mug. Oh, my God, that's not a spider. It's my bangs. (laughs) (laughs) That scared the shit out of me. I was like, is he sitting there judging me? Is he watching (laughs) His little legs are dangling off the side of your glasses like he's fishing. (laughs) He's like, hi. Jader mug. Okay. Stop. I can't. (laughs) And to our Elite Squad patrons, Haley K, Sonia W, Sky K, 
Marissa M, Elkie H, Annie G, Mary D, Andrew, Andrew. Rebecca D, Miranda B, Shelby W, Lex, Emily T, Kayla W, Mallory G, Bonita R, Marin, Vanessa, Amy P, Jess M, Summer M, Melanie G, Courtney W, Ursula S, Emily A, Kate H, Luyanga, Nicole R, Julia P, Sapphire. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> Kayla, Allison B, Catherine M, Kate P, Jessica S, Nicole M, Acacia V, Danielle W, Kelsey D, Jenna M, Joshua H, Tammy J, Bear, Crystal, Lucy M, Trisha S, Sam D, Laura D, Laura I, Sarah, Emily A, Angela D, Mac, Mac Attack, <laughs> Return of the Mac, Casey W, Oh my God, Abby W, Lexis J, Lauren T, and Cassandra S. Thank you, thank you, thank you for doing this with us. Huh? Yeah, we appreciate it. We do. Return of the Mac. It's the deal's turn of the mech. Oh, oh my, my god. god. <laughs> okay. All, All right. right.